Jeep and FCA think you are too stupid to do this one thing that virtually any Jeeper already knows how to do. What is it, and how are they doing it? And does Ford have a chance to bring down the Wrangler with the new Ford Bronco? We'll find out what some of our listeners think about it. And don't forget to share the Jeep Talk Show with your friends. Just tell them to go to jeeptalkshow.com. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you in part by Quadratech.com. Quadratech has delivered quality products and expert advice to Jeep enthusiasts around the world for more than 30 years. All the top brands at the best prices. Visit Quadratech.com to satisfy your Jeep needs today. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never, never driven anything <laughs> but a Jeep. This show's for you. Josh, Tammy, Winnie, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Hey, my name is Josh, and uh, I think it's time we open up a can of whoop-ass. I, I can't say I disagree with you. Hi, my name is Tony, and I'm ready to see that starship fly. And I don't mean oh, blowing up here. this time. I mean, you know, actually controlled liftoff and landing. I want to see what those little short little legs will do. I'm, I'm just afraid it's going to have to find a, a planetary surface that's very, very level and flat. You're such a space nerd. <laughs> very true. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Well, you've undoubtedly heard the phrase lately, we are living in strange times. And despite living in a city whose official bumper sticker reads, keep Portland weird, I see stranger stuff more and more every time I turn on the TV or radio. It used to be that when you saw somebody on the freeway, they were trying to commit suicide, since... Virtually every single city in the entire nation, it's illegal for you to just walk out onto a freeway. If you were there, it was clear your only intent was to kill yourself by jumping in front of a dump truck or something. So when I see people being completely retarded by doing something as stupid as try and take their tiny little temper tantrum, I mean protest, onto the freeway, I'm blown away when people are shocked and dismayed that they got struck and killed by the high-speed machines that lawfully occupy these roadways. But a small, tiny, itty-bitty bit of my faith in the justice system has been restored this week when I hear about the charges being dropped against the Jeeper, who used his vehicle to push stupid protesters out of the roadway where they were illegally blocking traffic. My only complaint is he didn't warm up the tires first with a little (laughs) heel-toe action beforehand. But, you know, I digress. More than a month after the incident took place at this Visalia, California Black Lives Matter protest, Tulare County, uh, County District Attorney officials say that the driver acted out of fear for his safety. Witnesses at the protest say that they're both shocked and angry at the outcome. Gee, I didn't see that coming. I mean, if you're stupid enough to think that it's okay to march out into a highway and start hitting people's vehicles, chanting and yelling your war cry, then you probably are the same kind of person who would be shocked that a gun shot a bullet into you as you looked down the barrel and pulled the trigger. The district attorney's office said in a statement multiple protesters were on the roadway, illegally blocking the Jeep and other vehicles on the roadway. Attorneys say the protesters made it impossible for the driver to move forward without contacting them. And after doing so, they later went to the Visalia Police Department to report the collision. To me, this sounds more like a responsible citizen concerned for the law and the safety and well-being of the mob who had started to surround him and throw objects into the roofless vehicle than a ruthless racist intent on pulling off a felony hit and run. 
There is a flurry of legal speak surrounding this case, and although the DA considers the matter closed, there are those who just cannot let the butthurt go because their feelings are more important than the law. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, you certainly don't want to use your, your vehicle or Jeep uh, as a weapon to uh, purposely uh, target individuals that are doing something that you don't like. But if you feel threatened, uh, as far as I know, even in California, if you feel threatened, you can use whatever means you need, uh, need to, to to stop being threatened uh, well, threatened with, it, it, with it, physical it, harm or, or death. So I, I don't really think it matters where you are, but if you're in a position in a place and there are people around you who shouldn't be there and they are angry and intent on, on what appears to be hurting people or damaging property... I mean, they're banging, you know, hands and fists on hoods. They're swinging their protest signs around and, and trying to crash them on vehicles. They're throwing stuff at vehicles. I mean, what what point exactly are you trying to make with this violence? Well, the and, point, and what the exactly point is, what options are you leaving the driver with when you are surrounding the vehicle on a roadway and banging on the on, on the body? Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's that. There's there's really no no really other options here at this point. The the driver needs to get out of that situation, remove himself from the situation by any means necessary, and and get him his vehicle and his occupants uh, out of harm's way, more or less. And and again, these people that were surrounding the vehicle were there illegally. Oh so, yeah, very much so. Just I mean, ah, man, I I love to see. Uh, stuff like this happened when when the DA and stuff goes. Yes, um, you were in the right. Uh, all these people who are trying to make a point illegally uh, don't care about your butt hurt. Um, you were being stupid, and this person uh, did everything that they should have in in accordance to the law. I mean, the fact that they even went to the police station and filed a report after the fact, saying, "Yeah, these people were in the road, and I and I might have bumped one of them trying to get out of the way because they were getting kind of violent." Uh, I think it really is goes above and beyond. I don't think that they really had to, but that was sort of protecting. That was a little CYA right there, a little you know, cover your you know, your, your cover your ass, and uh, and I think they did the right thing there. And if it wasn't for that, this might have possibly had a different outcome. But I'm just I'm glad to see some justice uh, here going on the side of a jeeper, uh, at least uh, you know with these kind of things going on. But uh, moving on, so just how dumb do you have to be? Apparently, Jeep and FCA have determined that not only are you too stupid or lazy to stay in your own lane or brake properly in your new Jeep, <laughs> you are also too dumb to read a tire gauge. Now, I don't know about you, but I learned how to count at a pretty young age. And although reading a dial or the stick of a pressure gauge isn't something they teach you in grade school, it's really not that hard to figure out what the numbers mean. So as I'm going through the specs for the 21, uh, 2021 Wrangler this week, I have to stop and facepalm as I see that FCA is incorporating a whole suite of previously optional tech into the lower trim models now. And they're upping the ante for the new model year, too. In addition to the uh, we're going to insult your intelligence as a competent driver tech, like blind spot monitoring for those too damn lazy to rotate their head 30 degrees, and forward collision warning for those more interested in looking in the back seat instead of forward, we now have the first off-road tech for you too stupid to properly air up your tires after a day on the sand or snow or trail. Ordinarily, one would just air up using an onboard air compressor or a compressed air tank of some kind. Heck, even the gas station down the road could air you up, and all you would need on hand to make sure you're properly inflated is one of those air gauge thingies. Ah, oh, but those are way too complicated to operate, and who has the time to learn how to anyways? And you need a degree or certification to use those, don't you? No, and you are stupid. Or at least the engineers at FCA think you are. 
Now, as of the 2021 model year, all Wranglers equipped with the 7-inch touchscreen will also have a special tire fill alert system built into the vehicle's programming and wiring. Working in conjunction with the sensors in the TPMS or the tire pressure monitoring system, or as I like to call it, you're too oblivious to realize you've been <laughs> driving on a flat tire since you pulled out of the driveway light, this fancy new super helpful feature will honk the horn at you once... <laughs> yeah, no. Well, honk the horn at you once the optimal tire pressure has been reached when you're topping off your tires. And it'll honk at you three times when the pressure is too high or too low. Ah, I can see it now. It's been an awesome day on the trail. You haven't even had to touch the wheel or the pedals once. Your Jeep did it all for you. But now you have to air up your tires. And you're going to get confused as all the other Jeeps in the staging area are all airing theirs up at the same time. And nobody can figure out how much air they have because everybody else's horn keeps going off. Boo-hoo! I'm so utterly sick of this level of babysitting that the automotive engineering field has insisted be adopted into every Dang, new vehicle that hits the road. Pretty soon, there will be a Jeep with no steering wheel and an electric vehicles only sign hanging over the gatekeeper at the Rubicon. At that point, screw it. I'm leaving the planet. <laughs> but whatever you leave the planet in will be nice and safe and you won't be driving it. <laughs> so I seriously, honks the horn at you. I just, ah. Uh, <laughs> have you ever have you ever been like you know um oh here i gotta go tighten up this thing real quick oh i gotta go replace that fuse real quick and you pop the hood and your douchebag buddy who's still in the car he <laughs> blasts the horn at you when you're when you're you're just reaching into there yeah this is what that's gonna be There's except it's gonna be every time you're trying to air up or air down your jeep and oh i cannot wait until this system malfunctions and you're driving down the road and your left front tire, you know, goes down by three quarters of a PSI and suddenly your horn just won't shut off. That's just, just going to be awesome. <laughs> There's two things you got to do to a buddy. One is honk the horn when he puts his head under the hood. And the other thing is whenever he's taking a pee on the side of the road, you have to inch up, you know, as he's losing cover <laughs> <laughs> and make him pee and run. Those, that's, you got, those are things you have to do. <laughs> uh, as a friend, you know, th this is mandatory. It's in the manual. If you didn't read it, go back. It's, it's there. What are you doing, man? I'm going to pay you back. Yeah, but you're not paying me back now. Run, run. So, Tony, would would you honestly want a system installed in your Jeep where it honks the horn at you if, you're, if your tires are not aired up the right way or something? What the hell's wrong As with you were doing it? What's a, what the hell's wrong with a nice voice? I mean, let's put a PA system on this thing. You know, they do the, uh, in the F-16s, they have the, uh, the lady's voice saying, pull up. Pull up. I think it's up or up or out. And <laughs> they should do the same thing about, you know, this, the nice little uh, voice saying, air up, air up, you know, PSI reach, optimum PSI reach. There we go. So, and then you say, then you remember you, the, the doors close and lock and you say, Al, open the Jeep doors. <laughs> I can't do that, Dave. That's right. Oh, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> This is really uh, interesting. Yeah. I, the, the honk of the horn seems a little strange to me. Just exactly what you say. So it's they're probably right. really quick little things like you hear the chirps on the uh, uh, or the the quick horn uh, 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 
hits on the uh, alarm systems nowadays. I bet I you that's what they're going to do. I don't care if it's quick or not. I don't care if it's a half a honk. It's still a honk. When it's, your it's, head it's is your... under the hood, a, a nice courtesy. Or right there at the tire. <laughs> you know, I mean, the horn is right there. Yeah, I just, yeah, I know. I got you. Come on. Well, it'll be interesting, too, if they uh, if they hack in through the infotainment system and start honking the horn on you. I, so, I just hope this is a feature that you can turn off, uh, I, like permanently. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I really hope this isn't like permanently engaged with the TPMS, which is not a system that you can bypass. Um, I really, really hope this is a feature that is that has an off button, a very giant and permanent off button, because I, I can see this being uh, very annoying to, to most competent people. Uh, but if you're the kind of person who honestly doesn't know how to read a tire gauge, I guess this is for you. Uh, it was probably in Mexico or some foreign country. The a car rolls up to a vehicle, and uh, they get out with uh, this one guy gets out with a gun, points at the driver. The driver puts his hands up and exits the vehicle, and then the guy, uh, the robber, the the car thief, would be car thief, jumps into the vehicle, and the the car that he was uh, they came in, they drive off. You know, because uh, he's going to get in the vehicle. Carjacking. And, yeah. yeah, he's going to carjack. He's going to drive the vehicle, and they're going to leave. Well, he gets in there. And the car, this kind of sits there for a second, and then it lurches backwards. And then it stops. And then a few seconds later, it lurches backwards. <laughs> and this happens like four times. And the, the carjacker gets out, and he's like uh, asking the guy that he's robbing from, like, how do you, how do you work this manual transmission? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> He couldn't. I'm like, this is this is a great feature. I was like, this, okay, this is a safety system, a, a feature <laughs> yes, that I can get it behind. Is. I was like, okay, and I can just imagine that you know the thief each and every time bashing his head off the airbag and bashing his head off the steering wheel. This is awesome. No, no, it's just he doesn't know how to drive. He doesn't know how to drive a manual, and you can see him getting out of the car and looking back at the guy oh, and saying, "You know, what is this? Come, I'm trying to steal this. Can you come help me?" <laughs> so the guy doesn't leave, and the cops get there. Simply because that can-do awesome. attitude, I'm going to steal this car. No, you're not, because it's a manual transmission. <laughs> so that reminds me you know, of, of reading air pressure gauges and these other things. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just the society that we're living in today. Oh, boy. Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, we've got an interview with Ted Wentz. He is the big chief at Quadratech, and he's got something for our Jeep Talk Show listeners. That could be you. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, we'll teach you the basics of how to hardwire an accessory into your vehicle's power system. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Tony, Josh, and Wendy, I'm still here. What an emotional roller coaster the past couple of weeks have been. Last time I talked, we were getting ready to pick up my kids at the airport. All went well on that front, and the next day we headed out for the Rubicon Trail. We took three days to drive out there, taking the scenic route through Colorado, Utah, and Nevada to California. Let me tell you, County Road 95 from Blanding, Utah to Hanksville, Utah, has the most amazing views I've seen so far. 
That's one of Utah's scenic byways. I was also excited to teach my kids about dispersed camping. They seemed a little nervous at first, asking about, where's the campground? I explained how we were looking for an offshoot with the fire ring of rocks already set up. Once we got the camp set up, they thought it was really cool to be in a national forest up on a mountain with no one but trees around us for miles. We also took Highway 50 in Nevada, America's loneliest highway. Honestly, Nevada's views were scenic, but after an hour or so, it just, that was enough. Nevada just seemed to go on and on forever. Now, one of the reasons we took the back roads was the CJ5's max speed was about 60 miles per hour. Originally, we were going to trailer it, but our pickup is having transmission problems. So my oldest, Michael, was able to experience what someone back in the day would have experienced on a Jeep drive across the country with no doors and a bikini top. He did say, you were right, Mom. I should have put on sunscreen. Along the way, the CJ5 was having a few issues, but Neil was able to get them fixed. Okay, so I lied. That scenic byway in Utah being one of the most amazing views... I would have to say that the view coming in on the third day into South Lake Tahoe on Highway 50 from Carson City, OMG, that view coming through the mountains, seeing Lake Tahoe, there just aren't any words to describe it. I also was causing a traffic jam because I was going so slow. It was very, (laughs) very scary indeed. Lots of F-bombs were dropped. My youngest, Ben, was secretly recording me on his phone. I'm trying to get him to send me that audio. Uh, FYI, guys, no F-bombs, none, zero, nada, were dropped on the Rubicon Trail. However, getting to the Rubicon Trail on Ice House Road, there were several (laughs) F-bombs dropped and another traffic jam I created. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to wheel the passes here in Colorado. So, the Rubicon Trail. Phew! Where do I start? It was grueling and exhausting. Four days. We were going to do it in three. We really Ah! could have done it in five. (laughs) But it's very grueling, exhausting. (laughs) It was also very hot when we were there. It wasn't just because of the difficulty of having to constantly pay attention to your wheeling but because we were having issues with the CJ5, we had some engine problems and some breakage. And it was difficult, the obstacles and the trail, but I have wheeled just as difficult of trails in Kingman, Arizona. And actually, there are some trails in Kingman that are more difficult than the Rubicon Trail, in my opinion. There were points where Neil or Dan, one of our Jeep Talk Show listeners who joined us, spotted me through some of the tough spots. I came out of the Rubicon Trail with a torn valve stem, which I didn't notice until I got back to Colorado, which I have now replaced with a Colby valve, permanent valve stem. My exhaust pipe also got a little more bent than it already was. Now, I'm the only one in our group that didn't need to be winched. I also led the way the second half of the trip on Big Sluice through Rubicon Springs up Cadillac Hill out to the end of the trail. There were six Jeeps. Tara's wide track CJ5 on 35s, our CJ5 on 31s, Mike's manual open-open JK on 33s, Angela's four-door Sahara on 35s with a single locker in the rear, Dan's JK Rubicon on 37s with ARB lockers, and he was regeared to 488. 
Sadly, our CJ5 Bumblebee didn't make it through the trail due to some breakage and engine issues. That will be a story for another episode, as that story is still sitting hard with me. I was between a rock and a hard place on that situation, and it's still weighing heavy with me. It goes back to the whole Jeep code. I will also be sharing my top five lessons learned on the Rubicon Trail, as well as the top five must-have items before you hit the Rubicon Trail. It was an amazing experience with some tough lessons learned. I'm so happy to have experienced it with my kids. Neil was able to convince my oldest, Michael, to come with us, thinking it would turn him to the Jeep side, but Michael said he's still a drag racing kind of guy. But maybe in the years to come, he might be a Jeep guy. Ben, he's already ready to get a Jeep. He's thinking yeah. maybe a TJ or a YJ with big tires and a lift. I'm so proud of both my kids as they helped me through this iconic trail. There were points where they both spotted me through some tough spots. Michael was really good at spotting me through some difficult places. And as the leader of the trail, there were times I needed to get out of the Jeep and walk up to see what was ahead. Michael sometimes took turns doing that, and he would head up the trail part of the time. At one point, he walked up Cadillac Hill only to come running back as he heard a bear growling in the trees, sounding like he was running through the bushes. <laughs> we did at one point on Cadillac Hill near the cemetery see a mama brown bear and two of the tiniest cubs I've ever seen. Oh, wow. There are also some parts of the trail that have a reflector, have reflector trail markers on it to help you stay on track. And of course, I didn't. I followed the black tire tracks on the rocks like you would do at Moab only to find out I was on the buggy part of the trail. But hey, I did it. It was an amazing experience, and I'm looking forward to going back and tackling that trail again. Neil has a grudge match with the Rubicon Trail. It was a great group of Jeepers who we were doing the trail with all for the first time. And a big shout-out to Neil, who got us all through the trail with his amazing spotting and winching abilities. We would never, ever have made it through that trail without him. Next week, I'm going to share the story of how the Rubicon Trail and the Jeep Code weighs heavy with me. You know, other than her discussion about uh, fear of heights, which is what she was uh, having problems with uh, in the passes, mm -hmm. uh, it strikes me how different Tammy talks about things now uh, several years down the road than what she was, uh, how she approached things. Uh, and doing this type of stuff he was very eager to go and do wheeling uh but now with the experience that she has it's just you know like water well you can off hear the, the confidence in her voice exactly when she's talking when you when she's talking about it. I mean, before there was a lot of trepidation there's a lot of uncertainty and and, and, it, and it really it was you could it was communicated through the way that she was describing things and the inflections of her voice and, and stuff like that and now she's got a lot more seat time she's got some modifications she's got some she's got some trail damage even uh, a little bit of carnage under her belt. She's seen a few things and been through a few things, and that confidence that comes with that really comes through when you're when she's telling her stories and stuff. So I, I told you, I Tammy, I told you three days. That is very ambitious, and and uh, I would I would be very impressed uh, if if a group of jeepers could make it through the Rubicon in three days. Um, but if you if you have problems, which inevitably you do in the Rubicon. Um, yeah, three days turns to four, sometimes even five very quickly. And that's why I tell everybody, it's like, you know, plan the Rubicon for a five-day trip, one, you know, one way in, one way out, um, and it's going to change your life. And it, and it sounds like uh, Tammy really wasn't uh, uh, taking my advice, <laughs> sure enough, uh, almost five days. And, uh, and yeah, and it sounds like she had a life-changing experience uh, with the Rubicon. 
And that's and that's really what it is, man. I mean, the first time that I went up there uh, experiencing that, it it really was uh, very inspiring. Uh, so if, if if you can, if it's on your bucket list, make it happen. The Rubicon is definitely one of those places to where you really want, you really should experience it. It is it is unlike anything else in the nation. You know, it's got me wondering uh, with all the CJ issues that uh, Neil was having and motor issues and it, it kind of sounds like it's sitting out there on the rubicon trail i wonder, I, God, I I wonder is it like I a ship at sea where you can go and salvage too. the uh <laughs> and do a salvage operation and it's yours because you know <laughs> international waters that's no, right <laughs> finders keepers no yeah i don't know that's kind of the impression that i was getting too is is that the damage was so severe that whatever issue that they had was so severe that the jeep is still sitting out there um, I mean, I don't know too many Jeepers that would leave oh, their Jeep out on the Rubicon no. for. I'd for be living than, there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, even the trip that uh, the, uh, one of the trips I was out there, um, uh, the group that I was with, the, in the, in the, I didn't have my own Jeep out there, and uh, God, I regret that. But um, nonetheless, uh, I was out there, and, and we had a, a drive line that twisted in half. It wasn't just a broken U joint; it was the drive line itself just twisted in half. And, um, and so it was, it was, you have to get a new driveline and on this, uh, CJ seven that was completely custom, uh, it was a complete one-off, uh, drive, you know, a, a, a driveline, um, cause the, the, the entire drivetrain was not stock. And so it was, you know, rally down into town, um, and, and hope that we could find a shop that, that, you know, as soon as we got into cell service. Uh, call them up and that they're open and and yes we'll make you a, a drive line 24 hour turnaround and it's just like oh dear lord we're out on the trail and and, and so you know they they did it in 12 um oh, got it to great. us the, got it to us the next morning um we uh, took it took two jeeps to to pull the the one cj up out of the obstacle that it was on and and into a position where where he could he could basically front wheel drive it back into a uh uh where we ended up put uh, pitching camp for the night um and uh and then you know first thing in the morning sun up everybody's rallying around and, and getting a rig out to the out to the to the town and and uh, and down down to the driveline shop to go get a new driveline and, and back up into the trail and and it's not easy because you have to navigate the trail to get out of the trail right and then once you're once you're you know you got to drive an hour into town and then you know another hour back uh you know up the mountain um to get to the trail and then you have to navigate the trail back to where you were it's not like it's just you all, i'll just take the road and just uh, turn in right here no it's 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 you have to go through the obstacles you have to go up through the through, you know and so there's it it's a it's a very <laughs> it, it's a very arduous procedure if you have some serious carnage that you cannot do a trail fix on and, and it requires you know going into town for repairs or supplies or something like that um that's that's why you know I mean, there there are you know videos and books written and directed about you know how to do the Rubicon because this is a world class wheeling destination and it is going to uh, to to really put your vehicle to the test and and it's going to show you where your weak points are and and it will, will very much let you know what you know where the weak point is on your Jeep and and uh, and you're going to find some breakage and uh, you better be able to deal with it out there. Yeah, it uh, it's, it sounds like it's uh, nice having a uh, a very customized Jeep to go out there. But boy, just like you say, when things happen, now you need yeah. custom parts. 
So guess who I'm, always carries a spare driveline with him now? I was going to ask, <laughs> but I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to uh, put salt in that he, wound. He actually, he actually bought an entire mount system for his roll cage so that he could relocate his jack, his shovel, and now have a couple of spare axle shafts and a driveline, all in this one, um, you know, clamped up system on his roll on his roll bar on his roll cage. Uh, very impressive system, but uh, but I mean he had to spend a, a fair amount of money to get that outfitted. But uh, uh, but now he's he's very well prepared. Murphy's law dictate, dictates he will never have an issue with those parts again. <laughs> right, <laughs> it'll be something else. Something else, but it won't yeah. be what you have. <laughs> yeah, I well, hope hey, uh, I, I hope Tammy uh, lets us know if she saw any Renegades or Jeep Liberties or. And I mean, I'm talking about the new Renegade, you know, what maybe with the Trail, uh, the not Trailhawk, what is it? Trailhawk? Yeah. With the Trailhawk package or, or something. I'd like to know if she, you know, wheeled with any of those out there on Rubicon. Maybe Jeep was out there getting some new uh, Rubicon Trail badges. Oh, testing out the 2021 models or something. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. She could get in trouble for something cool. else she saw. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> just what I was thinking, too. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, hey, how does uh, Tammy's Jeep Life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, and, and we want to hear about yours, too. So contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've been listening to you guys free for, I don't know, years now, and I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I... It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! There's nothing more off-putting than, you know, being at a, like a Jeep show or, you know, just at an off-road event or something and looking into that badass Jeep you saw and then seeing 17 cigarette lighter splitters sitting in the center console with a dozen power cables strung all over the place. Now, I know that not everybody can be a wiring expert. But there is a little ex- there is little excuse for poor wire management. Uh, mostly, all we have now is a uh, power cable for our cell phones. But oftentimes, there is an accessory that you just can't live without that needs power. That could be a Valentine One radar detector, or one of those inclinometers that uh, are backlit and need their own power supply. Maybe it's just that GPS unit that you can't live without. Whatever it may be, it's time to get that power cable off of and in front of the dash and out of the way of everything else. The term for this is called hardwiring. And even though it's not a diffi- it's not very difficult, there are a few very important rules that must be followed regardless of what you're working with or what vehicle you're working on. First off, this is going to involve cutting that power cable, taking off that cigarette lighter adapter, and wiring the cable straight into the Jeep's power system. That little black cable then is uh, a lot easier to snake through, tucked, uh, through small passages without that big bulbous plug on the end of it. Now it can be tucked in under trim and along the dash, and once you're behind the dash, you can then tap into the ignition, the fuse panel, or the back of the auxiliary power port, or even better, give it its own straight run to the battery. No matter where you pull power from, make sure that it's keyed, meaning that it turns off when the key is pulled out of the ignition. And rule number one out of everything, fuse it. It's got to be protected. 
no matter where you get the power from, it needs to be protected. So as long, along with the necessary supplies needed to tap into a wire or hook up to the battery, you're going to need an inline fuse holder to protect your device and the vehicle's wiring. If you're hesitant or unsure of what you're doing, then leave it to the pros. Most shops will do something like this for virtually any device on any vehicle for about $20 to $30 in labor and a small supply charge for connectors, fuse, and fuse holder. Or you can buy a spare power cable from an online uh, from online somewhere and in case you screw something up. Uh, and that way you have something to experiment on or uh, you know, have something to, to work with in case you don't want to screw up the original. Sometimes the wire will have to be extended as the power cable isn't all that long. And this will require additional wire and possibly solder or additional connectors. And remember, with these wires are oftentimes very, very small, less in diameter than a toothpick even. So uh, care is, uh, is very important when dealing with these, when stripping the wires, when soldering them, connecting, crimping, etc., etc. Okay, so how do you determine what wire is power and what wire is ground once you cut the power cable? Well, here's a hint. The center position on the cigarette lighter adapter is going to, you know, the plug that goes into the hole in your dash will always have the center pin being positive. That way, every, that, that's the way that virtually every cigarette lighter or, you know, 12-volt power support, uh, supply port has ever been made, regardless of the vehicle or where it came from, etc., etc. Using a multimeter set for continuity, you can probe the center pin on the plug and then each of the wires in turn to find out which one is the center pin wire. This is the wire in the cable that will get hooked up to your 12-volt power source. The other, by process of elimination, is ground. Make sure you are not tying into things like light circuits or critical systems like the fuel pump. Uh, with little to no know-how and some basic and inexpensive supplies, you can clean up that uh, you can you know clean up that overcrowded power port or cigarette lighter in your Jeep or any other vehicle for that matter. So I'll just remind people, uh, kind of as a, a catch-all. You've heard the uh, the old uh, adage: uh, measure twice, cut once. Um, mm -hmm. It's always a good idea to check your the, the voltage with a with a meter to make sure that you're getting the pl polarity correctly. Um, the, as far as I know, in, in maybe in another country, maybe in the military, there are no positive ground vehicles. There were in the past, but I don't think it's oh, done God. anymore. And it would be really bad <laughs> if you were hooking stuff up backwards. You, you get a nice little a little fire. So check it with with the voltmeter. Uh, if for, if for no other reason, you may be getting confused about uh, what Josh just said. You may be remembering it wrong, and this will give you the opportunity to to verify what you're thinking. It, it when you're dealing with electricity and and hot wires and melty stuff, it's always good to be. Uh, uh, to be safe. And I don't want to overplay this. You do it a few times and it's like second nature. But when you get yeah, started, really yeah, when you when you get started with it, just uh, get you a good voltmeter. They're very cheap off of uh, Amazon and hell, you probably can get them at AutoZone or uh, some uh, auto parts place uh, nearby for maybe 20 bucks. Now, and, I uh, don't I don't know how it was done, Tony. I, I, it was probably <laughs> uh, somebody screwed up something along the way. But one time there was like this 1972 or 1974, somewhere around there, Ford Galaxy that came into the shop with a positive ground. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. It, I don't know how. I, I don't know why. It was a I, nice vehicle sure, until I burned I'm it to the ground. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ford never designed it to work this way. I don't way. think so. Not that's That seems like it's too old for I me. Mean, I swear to, to I mean, God. I mean, too new for it to I be like that. I swear to God. Uh, it, it's like they had gutted the system. 
rewired it themselves so that they could have a positive ground. I, I don't know, but they brought it in and uh, you know to do a, to do a system in in, the, in there and I did no. Not only no, but hell no. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we don't have any equipment that will work with this. So, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> just one of those things. I have seen one in my life, a vehicle that had positive ground. I've never, ever seen one. I've just read about them, and I, I thought to myself, that's that's just nuts. Uh, but, you know, Josh, I'm thinking, maybe you happened across a time traveler that needed the reverse polarity to generate the field so that they could go forward and backward in time. And you just didn't check the trunk. For the the, it, the it twin micro black hole system that actually powered the whole the whole uh, time traveling machine. Now, come to think of it, I think that was literally the first, last, and only Ford Galaxy that I've ever worked on. So <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. That is, that's wild because that would that would require a lot of changes to make that work. I mean, yeah, just the starter absolutely. bolting onto the the vehicle, it, it, you know, it. That it uses the ground for the starter to work. Well, I mean, I, voltage is voltage. It doesn't really care, you know, which way it's flowing or what it's flowing through, just as long as it can flow. I guess maybe. Uh, and right. as long as the circuit is com- is complete, uh, it's we're talking DC here. So you think maybe they actually uh, accidentally swapped the cables on the battery? <laughs> I don't. I don't know that that would work. I, I know. Would it? I. I I got to do some math. We need to get a uh, a brand new Jeep Cherokee, the you know the oh. 2013 model or something, <laughs> and swap the battery cables and see what happens. What's the worst that's going to happen? Uh, another Stand back. Get, you guys ready on the cameras? Okay, let's go. <laughs> well, do you have anything to add? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk or a topic you would like for us to cover. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. That's the only link you need to know. To get a hold of us and uh, and interact with us, and then you can send us a message. Let us know something that you would like for us to cover. Hey, did you know that Quadratech was founded over 30 years ago to provide Jeep enthusiasts with the best products at the best prices? And today, it is the world's largest independent retailer of Jeep parts and accessories. Whether you own a Willys, a Wrangler, a Cherokee, or anything in between, Quadratech has what you need for whatever you drive. With more products than you'll find anywhere else at the best value, Quadratech is your number one resource for everything Jeep. Visit Quadratech.com today. You know, whenever I heard uh, the 30 years uh, ago, I'm thinking to myself, wow, 30 years. And then I kind of did the math real quick. That was 1990. <laughs> it's like that. And it's funny because it's that like, was that was just the other day. That was 30 years ago. Good God. I couldn't believe that Forrest Gump has been out for like 20-something years or, or whatever the, the hell, hell it is. you say? It, I know. That's just crazy talk. It is. So, yeah, that, that's a long time to be in business. And I was surprised uh, to, to find out that it is a family business. Unlike our show. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? What are you talking about, man? Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Get out of my face, yo. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at jeeptalkshow.com. You know, it's pretty funny. He's the, the one guy I always love that. He goes, I, I'd zoom on the radio. And uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I was sure. Like, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> one of the one of the things that Josh has said, you know, well, we should be on uh, what is it, XM XM Sirius uh, XM Sirius Satellite we should, Radio. We yeah. should be on XM Sirius. Uh, we got a good show. We should be on there. We should contact them and get on there. So the other day, I saw an article that uh, Lipson, uh, the, the the folks we use for hosting. Uh, had pu- published an article uh, uh, about uh, uh, XM purchasing uh, Stitcher, so I hey, we're on Stitcher. Uh, yeah, and I immediately went over to Hangouts where uh, the hosts uh, hang out and chat to to one another, and I said, "Hey, good news! We're going to be on XM Serious." <laughs> 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 and I did it specifically to to wind you up, and it oh, did. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. Because uh, that's seriously, it's been something that I've been, it's been a pipe dream uh, of mine with the show for, for years. And it's just like, oh, we're, come on, we're just like Howard Stern. We can make this move. I know we can do it. <laughs> I don't have the uh, hair for that. <laughs> hey, hey, did you see me until I got my hair cut? It was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I got to go get mine cut. Uh, but it was really funny uh, because uh, if that a- actually ever happened, I would be calling you on the phone and telling you, right. stop what you're doing. Person. Stop. You're, Guess you're, what? You're moving to Texas or wherever the hell they want us to move to. <laughs> From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty, ho, boys and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And tonight we're going to be talking to Ted Wentz. He grew up in a family uh, business, Quadratech. I know you guys have heard of that. And is a lifelong Jeep and automotive enthusiast. Quadratech was founded 30 years ago by Ted's father. Ted got an early start in the automotive industry, pushing a broom around the Quadratech warehouse. To expand his professional and entrepreneurial expertise, he spent several years working for the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, God, we may be in trouble here. And then started his own venture, Firecraft, uh, a barbecue grills and accessories manufacturer. Uh, and retailer. Ted returned to Quadratech in 2017 and currently serves as CEO. He was elected to SEMA Board of Directors in June of 2020. Ted, thank you so much for being with us. I, I-, I got to take you to task a little bit, and maybe not you personally, but Quadratech. I've reached out to-, to you guys a number of times to get you on, and then out of the blue, you guys contacted us, which I thought was just like wonderful. I thought we were kind of a big deal when you did that, but uh, I think you're reaching out to several uh, outlets to get the word out. Well, thank you for having me. Really, really appreciate being here. And I'm sorry we uh, we couldn't get together before. I, I don't know what we did wrong there, but hopefully we'll get it right from here on out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously we're a fan of the show and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, whenever I reached out to the the folks in customer support, that was the only contact I could find online. They said, "Yeah, we listen to the show. It's great. We'll pass along this information." And you know, uh, it, it happens. But uh, like, I'm just giving you a hard time. But uh, we, as you should, as you should. <laughs> but it's glad we're we're so glad to have you on right now. And I'm sure everybody out there knows uh, Quadratech and all the fantastic parts that are available and i'm i'm sure there's some uh, spouses out there that are shaking their fists at quadratech because you know <laughs> we couldn't make rent we couldn't make the house payment because of quadratech <laughs> it's just so fun ordering that stuff online and having it show up and uh, you know that the ups guy is just envious as hell whenever they uh, when they deliver this stuff so <laughs> christmas every time a box shows up, that's right? exactly right so I, th- I did not know this about quadratech i did not know that your dad had started it and uh, I'm, I'm real curious how did he come up with the idea of uh, it, was it a 
uh, a Jeep or truck uh, infatuation. And he said, hell, I want to sell these parts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a great fun story. I mean, obviously, it's a family business. Uh, and I've been in and out of the business multiple times over my life. So how did it start? My father was actually, uh, I mean, he's a, the original car guy. So he was a professional race car driver, uh, predominantly, some here in the States, but predominantly in Europe. And he is American. Uh, and he came back after he retired from racing and was working in a kind of direct mail type uh, automotive business selling race car parts and was always a Jeep fan and loved the brand and, and loved the Jeeps. And now we're talking, you know, we're, we're back in the CJYJ days. Oh, yeah. And uh, thought, man, wouldn't it be fun to do what I'm doing now with these race car parts, but do it for Jeeps. And so he, you know, he, he had, he bought a YJ, which was half about starting the business, but also half about inspiring him to start the business. <laughs> and he bought that and, you know, we started above the garage and eventually we rented a little bit of space and uh, my sister and I would come, come home after school and help him do whatever at, at the uh, office, whether that was packing boxes or, sweeping the floors or you name it. And so, you know, I think it was a little bit of love for Jeep, a little bit of, uh, it seemed like that was probably going to be a, a good business venture as far as the popularity of Jeeps going forward. And, you know, here we are. I don't think anybody in my family would have guessed that the, the Jeep lifestyle hobby passion would have grown to what it is today. So we're very fortunate for that. It is amazing. It is very amazing. And the yeah, camaraderie between really is. Jeepers is, uh, is amazing. Yeah, mind-blowing, right? Uh, never. I'll tell you, they're a lot more reliable now than they were back then. But, <laughs> uh, you know, which is, which is interesting. It's changed the business to so much of the business back then was replacing things that broke or rusted or wore out. And today, it's much more about accessorizing and personalizing uh, you know, in terms of, of most of the, the guts of the vehicle, they, they seem to last much longer now. Right. Uh, do you personally own a Jeep? So, I interestingly enough, I just ordered a diesel JL. Oh, my God. I already hate uh, you. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, drove, uh, I drove one about two months ago, a month ago, uh, and you couldn't get one. I mean, I was waiting, right? I, right. I knew there was going to be a diesel JL. So I wanted one of those really badly. And you couldn't get one, obviously, for a while. Then you finally could, and COVID got in the way. Uh, but now I have a build date and a VIN, so I can't wait for mine to show up. We Obviously, we have a lot of Jeeps uh, at the office. I think my the one that's the most you know passionate for me is we still have the original 89 YJ. Oh, nice. Uh, it's a Tan Sahara. And so... I, I drove that last week, uh, and it's it's great to to have that be a part of my life. I drove that around when I was 16 years old, and jumped back in it, and I'm a I'm a kid again. So very how many how many people get to have that experience? I'm very fortunate. Oh yeah, very much so. And uh, so, uh, what uh, I, I gotta gotta ask Ted, what color is your gonna, is your JL gonna be? Well, it's green, of course. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. Ted. That was the wrong answer. The red, oh. red, of course, is the correct answer. 
Uh, I didn't warn you. I didn't warn you. We have a little uh, uh, black red thing going on on the show because my co-hosts have black uh, Jeeps and I have a red one. So, of course, red is always the right answer for, for the Jeep well, color. Well, red is a beautiful, wonderful color. <laughs> uh, you're wrong. My green one will be absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I work for Quadratech. It has to be green. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't realize Quadratech had a rig- uh, had an official color. So they- yes, green, green, and gold are our colors. Well, that's great. I, I know you're just uh, beside yourself waiting on this. I- I'm interested to find out, as uh, I bet you are, how they drive, how the G- YA, oh, the YA, how the YJ compares to the JL. You know what? How I'm sure it'll be night and day, but it's just. Uh, it's cool to be able to have those two uh, at, at right there at your fingertips because you could drive either either one of them and go, wow, this is different, this is different. I bet you the steering is going to be a lot tighter. <laughs> the, the one I got to try, I loved it. Very peppy, tons of low-end torque. Uh, it actually sort of harkened back to the old 4 liters and the 258s with all that down-low punch. So I'm, I'm pretty jazzed, and I, I don't get to know when I'm going to get it, uh, but I hope it's in time for at least a sliver of summer. Sure. Um, and it'd be nice uh, for for an event. Do you ever? Uh, I, mean, I know what Quadratech goes out to events. Do you ever get out to some of these Jeep events? Not as many as I'd like to. Oh, of course. Uh, th- this summer certainly been uh, difficult with that. Right? We do we do a lot of events and sponsorship of the events and trying to be engaged in that as much as we can. And obviously, as you know, most of that's been shut down this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully that can get all opened back up and everybody can get on the trail in a more consistent way. I know most of, so we, our headquarters is in Eastern Pennsylvania and there's two or three parks pretty close to where we are. I believe they are all open now. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if they have volume restrictions or anything like that, but it would be, it would certainly be great to get back out there. Oh, you got to get the, uh, the photo crew out there to uh, take pictures of your JL uh, at one of the parks. That would be a, That'd be a good thing to have on the cover of uh, Quadratech, I would think. Ah, I'll bring that up. <laughs> yeah, we were actually just out. We did a photo shoot at uh, one of the parks as it opened a couple of weeks ago. And we were we were one of the first ones through, so that was pretty neat. But in general, I think everybody is struggling to get to use their Jeeps the way they want to this summer. And I, I hopefully that just makes it that much more exciting and valuable when we finally get to get all out on the trail. Well, you have a limited time there in Pennsylvania, too, don't you? I'm down here in Texas, so uh, southeast Texas, so we can go topless almost every day. We have uh, we usually have two days of winter down here in southeast Texas, and they're non-consecutive. <laughs> so, you know, you can all you have to do is just uh, bu- buckle up for a day, and then, you, you know, you're fine the next. Um, so, it um, is. It's, uh, it's really not, not top-down weather here in the wintertime, but we uh, that doesn't mean we don't keep using our Jeeps. <laughs> exactly. Well, Jeeps are great uh, whenever you need to get from point A to point B in the uh, – uh, the, the the way getting there isn't the safest. Uh, I've often hearkened uh, back to the uh, the saying that uh, having a Jeep is like having a superpower. It's almost like uh, Clark Kent, where you have your alternative personality. You go out there and you jump in your Jeep, and now you're like Superman because you can go places that uh, normal, everyday uh, vehicles can't go. I mean, and it's just straight off the factory floor, too. It, it, it's not something that you have to build up to do it. It just makes it... Uh, how do they say it just means you're going to get, uh, st- stuck worse, <laughs> the more, yeah, you, the I mean, more I mean, you do to you it. Know, it's very, it's downright American, right? E- exactly. It's, it's this, it's this can do, uh, go anywhere. Nothing will hold me back. Uh, attitude lifestyle that it makes it so special. And, you know, it's an, an interesting quote. And you may, you may have heard this, but 
Enzo Ferrari once said that there's only one true American sports car, and it's the Jeep. Oh, yeah, I think I um, have heard that, but very true, yeah. Yeah, if you think about it, it's in many ways very, very true, right? No, Nobody else did that. That was our invention. Uh, took the world by storm, literally, uh, with, with a Jeep. And it is, is there anything more sporty as far as cars go than and bumping around out on the rocks in the woods uh, in a Jeep. You know, I, I guess if you pulled up in the Sam's Club parking lot in a Ferrari, you get you would get a few compliments or maybe a little sneers for being, uh, you know, having too much money or something. But if you pull up in a, a Sam's parking lot in your Jeep, invariably somebody's going to say nice jeep or start asking you about it and they're not they're not new people they're not 20 year olds they're 50 60 70 years old i think a lot of people have always wanted a jeep and then never got one and when they see one it reminds them of that wish or the time they had one and sold it and by the way you never sell a jeep i i love that you got that still got the yj it's just bad mojo to sell a jeep you're sorry if you've done that so it's yeah, I've never I've never met anybody that I met tons of people that sold their Jeep, right? But every one of those folks always says, Man, I wish <laughs> I still had it, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've never heard anybody say, I got rid of it and I'm glad it's gone. Oh, thank God it's gone. And I just love this Prius so much better. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Now and, and it's gotta be a wonderful feeling uh the to be a part of all this this Jeep excitement. I mean, it's always great to make money, Ted, but <laughs> it's whenever you're you're bringing joy into people's lives by giving them uh well not giving them, but uh give them the ability to get these fantastic parts that you guys have available. Now, um I know that the list is very long and I always en- really enjoyed that you guys had uh XJ parts in there as well because you see a lot of people moving away from that. Uh, are, are you guys still supporting the uh, the Jeep Cherokees, the two th- uh, 1984 through 2001 uh, uh, parts and accessories and stuff for, for the those Cherokees? Oh, yes. I mean, obviously, that market's not growing, uh, but no. there are plenty of those vehicles still on the road. And they are, that's a diehard group of folks that own and run them. And I've always, I've always been a big fan of the XJ. In my mind, it's one of the purest automotive shapes that anybody ever drew and i had one i had a bright red 2001 i just sold it a couple of years ago uh it was you know it was i love that thing and there's just something about those that's very authentic i mean in many ways that's the vehicle that started the modern day suv that now dominates so much of the automotive markets yeah i think so, so too the Ford we're still Explorer. there for those folks we actually we still publish a an xj catalog a couple times a year and it's you know it's a it's a great vehicle, and we're we're thrilled that folks are still excited about accessorizing them and keeping them going. Well, as a, a previous XJ owner, this will probably excite you. I have a 1998, also red, uh, Jeep Cherokee. Uh, we bought it new off the showroom floor, so oh. it, <laughs> it is 20, 21 years like 21, 22 years old, and has never been owned by anybody else it's it's always been in our family so and i drive it every day drive it daily and uh, that is phenomenal that's one of the coolest things i've heard you know, in a while <laughs> and uh also too you'll probably appreciate this it has an atlas two-speed in it now <laughs> that's it's that's been in a there unique vehicle it's been in there a couple of years and uh the reason why it came with an np242 uh transfer case and I kept stretching the damn chain, and I decided the hell with the chain. 
I'm just going all gears. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm very pleased with my Jeep, and actually the our whole family is Jeeps. My two daughters have Wranglers. My wife has a 2003 uh, TJ, and uh, yeah, so people uh, here in the neighborhood think we're insane. I think you're totally sane. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you do it. So, uh, is there anything new going on with uh, Quadratech? Something new in the catalog? Some new partnerships or anything like that? Yeah, sometimes I feel like uh, it's a it's a constant newness game, and and I can barely keep up. But yes, so probably the most exciting thing we've done in in, a, in terms of newness in the last week or two is we just rebranded and reworked all of our our blog and all of our content in terms of learning more about Jeeps and and learning more about the hobby. Uh, we've named that Torque. Uh, and you can find it on our website just by clicking in the header on the, on the blog link, and it'll take you to Torque. And we've added quite a bit of uh, functionality to that. You can now search. We, we created a search engine in the site uh, that will search articles, blog articles, how-to articles, in terms of being able to help users get directly to the information that they want. Uh, we've also create the ability to filter the content. So you can say, all right, I'm, I want to learn about XJs and specifically wheels and tires related to XJs and click down through that. So that was a big project that we've been working on for a while. Uh, we're pretty excited about that. It used to be sort of a free-for-all in terms of finding the information you wanted. Uh, so great resource. I highly recommend if you're trying to learn more about your, your hobby and your passion, it's a great place to go. You know, in terms of new new accessories, that never ends. Uh, we're always we're always either coming out with our own cool new stuff or working with some of our amazing partners uh, to launch you know new products for them. And it's an interesting year uh, at the SEMA show this year. It was really all about the JT. Oh, okay. and sure gladiators were everywhere. There were. <laughs> Somebody told me there were over 400 gladiators. I don't doubt it. You couldn't yeah. throw a th- you couldn't throw a wrench 10 feet and not hit a hit a gladiator. Yeah, so obviously there were a ton of rack systems you saw for the bed of those, of those vehicles and uh, you know I, I, ironically not a lot of that has made it to the market but some of it has and that's a pretty exciting new market in terms of accessorizing the bed accessorizing the bed of that vehicle from tonneau covers to racks to systems go in there i mean it's a, an incredibly capable vehicle with with a lot we can do uh, you know totally different lifestyle play you know that's uh, interesting so that's pretty exciting you know that's interesting because uh I did, now that you mentioned it i'm surprised you didn't get a gladiator you actually went with a what i think is a more off-road capable vehicle the jl so uh kudos for you for doing that because i think getting a gladiator would be a, like a no-brainer for for a business to do yeah, well, we've got, you know, we have one at the shop, uh, and I got to play with that a little bit, and I, I, I just, I think I got a nice big dog at home, and I think having that trunk is a pretty helpful thing. So, uh, that's exciting. You know, I think this isn't brand new, but I just think it's such a cool thing that uh, they're definitely going to go on my Jeep, is the end of last year, we released uh, a wheel, and it's an alloy wheel that fits JKJL. Uh, but it looks like the old CJ steel wheels. Oh. And we have it in two colors. We have it in white and black. Uh, and we machined around the lip 
where remember the old the white CJ wheels had the, the pinstripe around or the inside of the rim. Mm-hmm. So we machined that away and you can see the metal coming through. Uh, they've been very popular and I think they're just about one of the coolest things going. I mean, I know the trend right now is everything is going, you know, fairly futuristic looking, but we came out with this super retro wheel and, and man, we can barely keep them in stock. So that's a pretty cool wheel and, and one of my favorite things we've done in a while. So back when I first uh, started getting interesting and uh, interested in off-roading and uh, trucks, back then it was really more about mudding than it was about rocks. And uh, the big deal for lighting on uh, vehicles were the round lights, because whether it be KC or whoever you picked, it was either the rectangular, but the majority of them were round. And then these LED light bars came out, and I had a bunch of them on my, my XJ. And uh, I saw uh, the uh, saw some some round headlights, and it just reminded me of kind of like what you're talking about on the CJ. That it just kind of reminds me of back when four wheel drive uh, was the, was the new thing, and everybody had round lights. And I'm really enjoying uh, the these round LED lights that you can put on a bar or uh, or put on your Jeep uh, bumper or whatever. And uh, I I just like that 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 whole nostalgic feel. To me, it's more four-wheel drive-ish with the round and not the the modern, more modern uh, bars. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, lighting is very much a fashion accessory in many ways. And it certainly ebbs and flows as far as what's popular. And round, you know, is, it'll get really popular and then and then not so much. And you go back and forth. Uh, very, very interesting to see where it's going to go. It's, it's, we actually came out with this pretty cool product that we're, I don't think we even have it released for every vehicle yet, but we call it the Stealth Light Bar. And it is a light bar that you usually have to have brackets on the windshield and would sit above the windshield on the exterior of the vehicle, except this sits on the inside of the windshield mm. and has a rubber gasket that seals up against the windshield. And, and you, uh, it, you know, it shines out through the glass. So it, it's a totally different look. It's super stealthy. And uh, you know, retains the, the the exterior look of the vehicle, but then you you turn on the surprise light bar. So that's that's kind of a cool thing. It is. And I think that's very so cool. So far, it's been pretty popular. Yeah, I think that's very cool. It's almost like the undercover police that are going to pull you over with the the lights on the inside of the vehicle. <laughs> yeah, very similar concept, right? Very very similar. Yeah, that's uh, that's really neat, and I would uh, I would assume that's uh, do, do, are those for the JLs as well? Because I know the JL has a much more curved windshield than uh, the the prior uh, uh, Wranglers. Yeah, I believe we're doing both JK and JL for that, but I could be putting my foot in my mouth. No, um, that's all right. That, 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 yep. That's a reason for people to go over and have a look at the site, <laughs> and also to uh, are you guys still sending out the, the the catalogs? I haven't seen a catalog in years. Oh yeah. Oh well, that's a that's a shame if you're on the mailing list. Yeah, we uh we do that many many times a year, uh throughout the year, and you know the catalog is continues to evolve over time. Uh, but we got to talk after this phone call. We'll get you back on the mailing. Oh sure, list. no, I always enjoy thumbing through there. I just assumed because it's so expensive to put to you know print that paper, but it's it's nice to have that feel and. In those spare moments that we were talking about earlier, you you can just thumb through there and go, oh yeah, I need to get that type of thing. So, uh, oh. no, certainly that would be that would be great. I just assumed you guys had uh, gone the cost saving me- measure. That everybody's got a phone or a computer, desktop computer or something, so it, it does make sense in, in in the long run. Yeah, and we we do those things as well. But no, the catalog is definitely still near and dear to many of our customers' hearts, and we're working on the fall fall catalog right now. 
uh, getting ready to print that pretty soon. And so we will, we got to get you back on the list. Excellent. Uh, now it's going to be just amazing to you that your dad started this. And I think it's every uh, dad's dream to be able to have a business and turn it over to their children. Uh, and I think it's wonderful that that's what's happened here. Uh, is the, are there any other family members in the business? Yeah, great question. So, uh, I, yeah, we, we have had other family members in the business throughout the years. I worked there as a kid, obviously, and then uh, I worked there uh, for a few years after uh, I graduated from uh, graduate school, uh, before I started my own business. And now I'm back, and I, you know, I think I'm sort of in for the long haul at this point. <laughs> uh, my cousin is on our video team, and uh, obviously, I, I grew up with him, so that's a fun, fun thing to have him involved in the business, and he is very talented in, in terms of. Uh, videography, editing, shooting, the whole the whole thing. Uh, and then my father is still involved in the business, but uh, no, nobody else is in the office in terms of, of full-time work. Now, you know, I think everybody in my family at some level uh, is involved in the business, right? So while my mom's not an employee, she certainly, <laughs> she she, certainly has been there all along. She right? had to put up so, with that crap all those years. She's a... Uh... <laughs> She's uh, she's a saint, right? That's so, right. Uh, Why yeah, are these I mean, parts in the in my kitchen? That's all we've got involved in the business right now, but it's a uh, it's a joy to get to uh, have that flavor of things. Well, I'm glad to hear your dad's still a part of it. Uh, I, I had assumed that uh, uh, he wasn't, so this is uh, that's great to hear, and I'm sure he's he's uh, just happy as can be to see his son uh, be at the helm of this and uh, being a success at it. Yeah, I hope it's I hope it's a good thing for him, and you know I think it's uh, we've seen that go the other way in many parts of our industry. So mm-hmm. we're excited that we're we're we've managed to make that work. Oh, and it's going to be so nerve wracking making those decisions because it's not just you; it's uh, all these people that uh, rely on your decision. So uh, I, I envy you in a way. Uh, when it's a success, it's uh, it's got to be a great feeling. Uh, and uh, when it's not a success or not the success that you want, uh, it's got to be a, a bit scary. So uh, I think it's great that we have entrepreneurs in this country, and uh, it's it's the backbone. It's that's how things uh, get going. I mean, look at what Elon Musk is doing, building these uh, uh, spaceships in the dirt in uh, Texas. So <laughs> it's right. just amazing. Right. <laughs> get out there and do it. So I, I wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, I, I'm keeping you here a little long, but uh, the uh, the the director uh, at SEMA. Uh, what, uh, how does that manifest itself? And uh, uh, more importantly, how can we use it to, to, to do better things with SEMA? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, you know, in terms of, I think you mean, uh, in terms of me uh, being on the board of directors, that's a, that's a process that I got involved in uh, several months back. And you, uh, you know, you have to go through a, an application process, a nomination process. To run, there's actually an election for oh, the board wow. seats. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. And so you you go through an internal process uh, with SEMA, and then they they narrow that down to a series of candidates, and you have to uh, run an election, and the all the the board all the members of SEMA vote. Every company gets one vote, and so we recently did that. And I've I've only been to one board meeting so far, so I don't know that I'm all that all that up to speed and qualified yet, but. Uh, that's an exciting opportunity that uh, I'll be serving a three-year term, and I'm sure I have a lot to learn and hopefully give back any way I can. I mean, I I did that because 
my family and my my organization has garnered quite a bit from SEMA over over the last thirty years, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a great organization that provides an amazing amount of opportunity for its members, uh, which you know I think a lot of a lot of the end users don't even know about the whole SEMA thing, but it's a it's a if you don't it's a it's the world's uh, second largest trade show. Uh, that's held in Las Vegas once a year, and the entire automotive aftermarket uh, goes, and, and we all see the new products and the new companies, and it lasts for a week. It is a massive show. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and Quadratech has, has benefited a lot from that over the years in terms of brokering new relationships with vendors and seeing new products and growing our own brands. So great opportunity for me and Quadratech to give back a little bit to uh, an organization that we hope has a long and bright future. Yeah, I think they do. I mean, if nothing else, the eye candy that's out there. Uh, I, I I went last year. I haven't been in a number of years. So I went last year, and uh, I was a little disappointed with the number of gladiators that were out there. But, I mean, that's not a SEMA fault. That's not what all the manufacturers thought that that's what people would want to see. And right. uh, But uh, I would like to have seen maybe some, uh, some JKs, uh, JLs, some TJs, certainly. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I think I, the last time I'd gone, uh, before uh, last year was 2013 and there was not an XJ to be seen. I, you know, I, I would love to take my XJ out there. It's nothing fancy, but just get an XJ at SEMA. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of support for XJs out there and it would just be nice just to see one at SEMA, uh, you know, occasionally. <laughs> yeah. It'd be very interesting to see, you know, this is going to be, uh, a different kind of SEMA this year in some way, shape, or form. And I don't know that anybody knows what that's quite going to be yet. So, uh, but I don't know. I don't know if we'll get your XJs there or not, but I have a feeling that it won't be as dominated by the, the Gladiators yeah. as it was this year. So there, there will be a car of SEMA in 2020. We'll have to see what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd heard uh, something, and you may not be able, to be able to talk about this, but I heard that they're not going to have the outside part of SEMA that it was all going to be inside this year. Uh, yeah, I think all that's still being worked out. I don't think any of any of those decisions are final at this point. Okay, well, good. Uh, I, we I like will, the outside. We'll find out hopefully later in the summer. You know what what this is going to wind up being, and there's a lot of question marks still, obviously, given given COVID nineteen. Oh, very. That's very true. Uh, and that's going to be uh, <laughs> really irritating when you're trying to make decisions on a board about, well, I don't know what we're going to do. What's the governor going to do? What, it, you know, is it mask or no mask yet? So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. So, uh, you know, a little birdie told me that uh, Quadratech and you have uh, a giveaway for us. We do indeed. Uh, we're pretty excited. So what we'd like to do is offer a $200 Quadratech gift card. Uh to a caller that calls in and says, now it has to be these exact words, happy 30th anniversary Quadratech. Now, you guys don't have to spell Quadratech, but you do have to say it correctly. <laughs> it is a mouthful. <laughs> I mean, it's not that difficult when I see it, but anytime I'm trying to type it, I was like, oh, Quadra, nah, I don't know how, that, how I quite get there out there. So $200 gift certificate, and you got to say happy 30th anniversary Quadratech. Now, Ted, this is the most critical bit. We need to know what color these folks must be. Great question. I'm going to go with number seven. 
Number seven, caller number seven. So it's been a while since we've had had a giveaway, and uh, uh, and thank you very much to Quadratech and Ted for uh, giving us this great gift. I mean, two hundred dollar gift card at Quadratech. Now you can't just you, you don't have to just thumb through that Quadratech catalog or online at their website. You can actually buy something. And all you have to do is be the seventh caller to our voicemail line. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and look up that voicemail number and be the seventh caller. And remember, you have to say happy 30th anniversary Quadratech. You get one chance for this, folks. If you call twice, uh, you will will be disqualified. You must be 18 years of age or older. Your mailing address must be in the continental United States. You may only call in once per giveaway. Any required word or phrase must be said exactly and completely the first time. Your call must include your caller ID. One chance to win per individual per giveaway. All these rules must be followed unless otherwise stated. Failure to follow these rules will disqualify you from being eligible for the giveaway. We will contact you with a text message at the number you called from. Good luck, Jeeper. Oh, wow, Ted. This is great. Thank you so much. Great information and such a, it's it's a just a great story. Again, I had no idea before uh, doing this interview that, uh, uh, it was a family-owned and run business, and uh, you actually got to sweep stuff out uh, in <laughs> at the warehouse while you were uh, uh, becoming of age. And just a just a wonderful, great story. And I, I wish you guys a lot of future luck. And uh, uh, and also too, I, I suspect you're going to be on the board at SEMA for a number of years. So good luck on that as well. Now uh, I know that you you guys are all into the social media there at Quadratech. How can people find Quadratech or or even yourself on social media? Yeah, great question. So uh, we have links to all of our social media pages from uh, the Quadratech homepage down at the footer. Uh, you can find that on mobile or on desktop. Uh, we have an Instagram page. We have, uh, we're, we're into Pinterest now, uh, Facebook, and then YouTube is a huge, uh, a huge way to, to learn more about Jeep. So we're deeply involved in that and have a team that does a great job there. We're, we're getting more and more into social media every day it's a wonderful conversation uh that we get to have with our with our customers and our potential customers so i would say do that go to the quadratech homepage and right in the right hand bottom of the screen you'll see links to uh, all five of those platforms uh, and if you go to YouTube, make sure you subscribe so you can see whatever the latest and greatest video we come out with is. Excellent. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll stick those uh, those links into our show notes. So you guys just go over to jeeptalkshow.com and uh, you will see the links there. Or of course, you can go to uh, Quadratech's uh, website and uh, it's quadratech.com, isn't it, Ted? It is, quadratech.com. Yep. So you can go over to quadratech.com and see those links as well. Uh, I bet you there'll be less stuff on our page, though, so it'll be easier to find. <laughs> and you won't get sidetracked by going, Ooh, what is that? Oh, I need that for my Jeep. <laughs> mm, that's the idea, right? Well, Ted, thank you so much for being with us. And like I said, continued uh, success on the, on Quadratech. And uh, uh, maybe we'll see, see you at SEMA some year. Yeah, I would love to. I'd love to, to say hi at SEMA and, and get to meet you face to face. Really enjoyed uh, being a part of this, Tony. And you guys do a great job. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best and and keep doing it. Thank you very much. That's great. Hey, Ted, thanks for coming on the show. I'm sure a lot of Jeepers are happy to finally put a face and a voice to the company that's been taking care of them for so very long. And don't forget to call in now for your chance to win the Quadratech gift card. Remember, you got to be caller number seven. Hey, do you have an idea for a guest? Do you work in the off-road industry? Or maybe you know somebody who does. Maybe you would like to be a guest here on the Jeep Talk Show to tell your own Jeep story. And trust me, we would love to hear it. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. It very well could be you.
Coming up next week, Jason Larson from ToughyProducts.com. Oh, I like that company. It is. A, they make some really heavy-duty uh, security stuff. And, uh, well, we're going to hear more about that uh, next week. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And last week, Josh, you made a comment about uh, marijuana being legal in my state. And I live in North Carolina where, unfortunately, marijuana is not legal. And uh, come to think of it, it's not legal to walk your, walk a duck down Main Street without pants. In fact, it's kind of illegal to go anywhere without pants. Don't ask me how I know. That's not why I'm calling. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. I guess that's why I'm calling. <laughs> I guess it I've is. I've got a couple of uh, marijuana jokes in the books I've just been dying to use, so just, this was a segue into it. I dropped my weed on my barbecue grill. Yeah, now the stakes are even higher. Yeah, I know that's not funny, but I do throw a good barbecue. Yeah, my record's 28 feet. <laughs> in case you're wondering if Henry was okay, he's okay. But he lives with 11 women, so that kind of quiets him down sometimes. Yeah, Henry, we know. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. Well, I think that last crow, he was just bragging. Oh, uh, gee, I, I get the feeling uh, Nikki G was choking Henry to, uh, to make him crow. No, Tony. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people out there didn't get that joke. <laughs> I, I guarantee it. <laughs> you must have needed this every day. It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. If you spend any amount of time on an off-road-related forum, then there is one phrase that gets typed a lot when somebody is bragging about something they did with their Jeeps, and that is, picks or it didn't happen, yes. bro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's not much worse than leaving the house and realizing that your phone is still on the counter. Our phones have become our lives, and it sucks even worse when you realize that that single device is the only means that you have of recording your adventures in your Jeep. And it used to be that if you wanted those cool below-the-Jeep shots as you crawl over an obstacle or those wide-sweeping views of the trail as you roar over some rocks, that you either had to have a professional camera crew with you or you spent hundreds of dollars on action cameras like a GoPro or something like that. Those cute but extremely powerful cube cameras have become very popular over the years, and now that they've been out for a little while, the prices have come way down and there is plenty of competition. Oh, sure, you could easily drop $3,000 in off-road camera rig with a three-axis active stabilizing gimbal and enough frames per second to choke a supercomputer in processing, but it's really, really not needed. Now, you can go get a GoPro uh, like in, and get performance for a fraction of the price and, and have a dozen varieties to choose from. It doesn't even have to be a GoPro brand, honestly. So this week, I'm not going to give you one specific brand or even a model of thing to go after. Instead... I want you to make a commitment to yourself and to the rest of the Jeep world that you are going to go make the summer of 2020 the year that you finally get an action camera for your Jeep. Get a mount for the dash, get one for the bumper, get a suction cup for the side, and get a body, get a big, you know, clamp for the roll bar. You don't have to spend a fortune to get good footage, but it does help to have a few accessories. And so spend a few bucks on getting some of those. 
Although I'm not going to give you one in particular, one particular selection to go by. I will tell you to go look out for a few features that will help set things apart for you. First, get an extra battery. No matter what, you're going to use it. Just trust me on this one. Uh, you don't have enough charging ports or enough time to, to sit there and let it charge up when you're out on the trail. It's so much easier just swap out a battery. Second, make sure that the camera you're getting has an app that is compatible with your phone. It might have an app, but it might not be compatible with your phone, so double check. Being able to mount the camera in a remote location and then start, stop, and monitor your footage is incredibly useful and is very handy. Trust me, it really makes all the difference in the world. Also, make sure that it can do at least a full 1080p resolution with 120 frames per second. That's going to about the mark to reach for clarity of shot and ability to have some good, smooth, slow motion shots if it came down to it. But honestly, you can get a waterproof 4K action camera with a case for under 50 bucks on Amazon and have it here in two days if you want. So why not, right? And really, that's about it. If you can't find a decent accessory package to go along with the camera that you're looking for, well, move on to another one. You're going to want one with at least a little bit of support behind it to make your off-road video making a little bit easier and more enjoyable. When you get home, there are a ton of free, very easy to learn and use video editing programs out there to put the final touches on it, edit out the boring spots or where you had to pull cable, and get it posted up onto YouTube or your social media account. It's never been easier or cheaper to get great jeeping videos without having to rely on your cell phone. So, do it today. So, I'll mention something um, about uh, these uh, the GoPro cameras, uh, any of the any of the cameras that have uh, the very wide uh, point of view, uh, mm -hmm. 140 degrees, 170 degrees, uh, fisheye almost, uh, and it, it distorts the image uh, of what you're seeing. However. In towards the center of the image, it looks pretty normal. So if you get a camera that records in a high resolution, you can use that video editing software that Josh was talking about to basically zoom in, and you won't lose uh, a lot of detail where it looks, you know, jaggy and uh, weird looking. So like if you get a 4K camera and you're shooting, uh, your ultimate goal is a 1080p or a 720p, which is uh, considered high def. Then you can zoom in, get rid of that fish eye, look, make it look more like a uh, a professional type camera. Because quite often the the image is very good; it's just very wide. And then you can play with that. You can actually pan up, down, side to side, and uh, make it look even more professional. So, uh, yeah, the higher the resolution, the better. And make sure you keep mm -hmm. the frame rate up, like what Josh was saying. Yeah. I will say one other thing, though, is uh, that some cases have flat lenses. Some of them have fish eyes. Sometimes the fish eye lens is built into the camera. I will yeah. say you probably want to stay away from those. Find a camera that has a flat lens that has a case with a fish eye that you can swap out lenses or swap out cases to get different lens uh, effects on it. Uh, and that's really, really going to make a big difference because Tony's 100% right. The fisheye looks really great if you're really up close on something, like if you have a handheld gimbal and somebody's following along the trail alongside of you and, and they're holding the, the, the camera really close to the tire or something like that, where you really don't see a whole lot of anything else but like, you know, just the Jeep or just the tire and just the terrain. Uh, and then in which case the fisheye isn't so bad, but really the flat lens is where it's all at. It really gets you a more natural type of look. Yeah, I think the, the point of view that you'd be looking for is more like a 90 degree or uh, uh, even gets narrower from that. 
uh the, i call those like main shots the the and then the shots that have the wide angle like what uh, josh was talking about the tires and that type type, type thing is more of a, a b-roll type thing gives you a feel kind of gives yeah. you a feel of what's around and, and going on uh it's good to mix those in but uh it's funny i uh, i have all these ideas about video stuff but it's so much work uh to, to edit it once you get it shot and you have to stand sit there and, and shoot things over it's, and over again yeah yeah, and it's a it's a couple couple few hours. It can be a, a several hours worth of worth of editing, depending on your computer and, and how powerful it is, how much video you got, how big the file is, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, um, it really, I mean, you you do a half hour hours worth of uh, research on online, and you're going to find out a lot of information that's going to really educate you and get you pointed in the right direction of getting your own Jeep video making started and, and stuff like that. It is a lot of fun. Uh, and it can be uh, if you've got a creative bone in your body, then then by all means uh, explore it with uh, with something like this. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Oh, and nowadays it, it's just so easy to get wonderful, wonderful so equipment. Cheap. I mean, and, and cheap, yeah. Four yeah. K camera, waterproof, uh, with accessories, fifty bucks delivered. I mean, come on. I, I think I think my first GoPro I spent over three hundred dollars on. So I mean, yeah, just like it's. Serious, it, it's 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 it couldn't have been it couldn't be any more easier or cheaper nowadays. I've never had a GoPro. Are the batteries uh, replaceable in, in in that? They are replaceable, um, and uh, I, I have found that um, I'm pretty good with uh, uh, being able to, to swap out a battery, and, and two batteries is, is good enough for the day. Right. Sometimes I'll have to um, do a little quick charge during a break, during a lunch stop, or something like that. Give me enough juice to do um, a few more a few more things, but. You'd be surprised. I mean, and especially filming in high definition, uh, you know, 1080p, 240 frames per second, 4K, and and 240 frames per second. You know, the battery life is going to go down. Uh, you're filming at a lesser resolution. You have uh, you know more storage uh, and and more battery life and stuff like that. So um, that's the other thing. You know, if the battery life is only 30 minutes, maybe you want to look at something else, um, or or try and find a, a couple of extra batteries or something like that because uh, um, you, you know you're out on the trail for all day. And even though you don't want to record, you know, six or eight hours of footage, um, you know, you want to be, be able to record as much as you want. And uh, and having the, the battery, having the juice to do that, uh, it really comes in handy. You know, if the camera supports uh, uh, charging and uh, uh, recording the video at the same time, you can get those little 16,000 uh, amp hour uh, lithium ion charge packs. And uh, then you could, because uh, Murphy's Law is going to hit, and you're going to have this perfect opportunity, and you're not going to have time to charge the the battery on your uh, on your camera. Perhaps it doesn't have you don't have the ability to swap out batteries like mine. The uh, con, uh, contours that I have, the the batteries oh, yeah. are fixed in it, uh, so uh, I would have to charge it. And uh, if you get a camera that you can uh, charge and and use at the same time. Now all you have to do is tie off that, uh, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, those little lithium battery packs, Josh, they're, they're not very big. You just need no, a way I've to... No, I've to, got one. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the times that my car was stolen, uh, when I got it back, it had one of those in there. So uh, <laughs> I guess, a, you know, silver lining, if you will. So. <laughs> Thank you for the use of your car, kind sir. Uh, <laughs> and here's a battery right. pack. <laughs> it's the CIA tracking you now. They knew you'd keep that. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. They're, they're tracking stolen Hondas. <laughs> Well, hey, now that you must have an action camera for your own off-roading adventures, go out and just get one already. Go to Amazon or eBay or, well, don't go to Wish.com. You're going to end up getting a film canister and a AA battery or something. Just go get one.
Woo, it's just me and you tonight. It's uh I know, plenty of parking up here tonight. I uh I brought some sticks, some clothes hangers. Did you bring the sausages? No, oh, wait a minute. What kind of party is this? <laughs> <laughs> they, they plump when you cook them. <laughs> well, uh, it's no secret that uh, Ford is desperate to get in on the multi-billion dollar off-road aftermarket industry. And oh, we, it I, we be. all know that <laughs> yeah, the aftermarket off-road industry is huge. I mean, just look at SEMA each and every year, right? Uh, well, Ford has made it very clear that they're going to try and do it with the new Ford Bronco, which has gone through years and years of research and design. Uh, they said it was going to be released one year, then it wasn't, and well, now it's uh, it's going to be coming out here at the end of sometime this year, I think. And it's allegedly going to be the ultimate competition to the Wrangler. I call BS, but uh, maybe you have a different opinion. Uh, honestly, I think the thing does look pretty cool, and I think on on aesthetics alone, they might have a chance. But uh, but honestly, I think that's where that argument ends. Well, look, maybe you know well, I mean, more information than Cruiser. I do. I don't know. I mean, look at the FJ Cruiser that uh, Toyota has. I mean, it's uh, it's a good competition for the Wrangler, right? I wouldn't say so. Um, I, well, I they don't make it that, anymore, so. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, and certainly the FJ Cruiser um, uh, definitely has off-road prowess. Uh, I, I, I wheeled with one out on the Rubicon, in fact. Um, I, I see them up in the, in the areas that I wheel at. Um, there is a ton of aftermarket support for them, and even companies uh, like Warrior Products uh, used one as their show vehicle for a number of years. So, um, I mean, maybe the Bronco, again, is going to have some... Uh, uh, some attraction. Uh, we're probably going to see a lot of Ford Broncos at at, a, at the following year SEMA event if they have one. Uh, and, and you know because it's going to be the latest, it's going to be the newest, and they're going to want to see what sort of aftermarket we can we can slap onto the thing. I mean it, that's just what you know what the industry does. Um, but I I don't know if it's going to really be the Wrangler killer like everybody is saying, or lately the Ford really is is saying that it's going to be. I don't think the Ford has a chance. But I want to hear from other people. Maybe we have some Ford fans, you know, some uh, some guys who are, who are Ford fans and stuff. Um, and maybe they had a, a Ford Bronco as one of their uh, the, their vehicles back in the day or something like that. I don't know. Let's hear from our listeners and see where the you know where the rest of the world stands on this sort of on the, on this topic. So uh, moving right into our listeners, Chris, top of the list. Chris, what do you have to say about the Ford Bronco? Does it have a chance against the Wrangler? Unfortunately, I think it does, and I will say I'm not a Ford fan for various reasons, but uh, based on what I've seen and what I've read, I, I think it may have a chance. I mean, off-road capability certainly won't be there without a solid front axle. However, I, I believe they'll sell it. I, I recall the Sport Track, the Explorer Ford Sport Track, had right. a cult following, and that was only made for a couple, three years. And I, I foresee the Bronco bidding that niche if, if they don't overprice it, which if I know Ford like I do, they're going to overprice it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been seeing that trend lately over the last couple of years as well, and and I really think that they're going to try and and use this as as a big marketing platform for for things to come. Uh, and, and I think I think they're going to try and and produce an, an off road almost Raptor like version of both the Bronco. I think they're going to try and do that um, with their with the new Ford Ranger that they that they they, they just released as well. Um, and, and I'm not a Ford fan either by any stretch of the imagination. But I, again, going back to my original argument, I think aesthetics alone, people are going to see this. They're going to see the, the lines and the look of this, and they're going to go, wow, I have to have that in my driveway. 
regardless if it's a POS or not. <laughs> uh, so, and, and, and that, that might be, I mean, they might have some great sales, uh, but I have, a, I have a feeling like JD Power and Associates is going to, is going to come in and say initial quality is going to be just garbage on this thing. I, maybe, I don't know. Right. I don't, Travis, Travis, where do you fall on this? No, the Bronco, I think is going to give a run for the money, but I also think you're never going to lose the Jeep fanatic, the Jeep lifestyle, the Jeep drive. I look at the old Broncos, I fall in love. I think they're amazing. I think they're beautiful. I think they're fantastic. But a Jeep is my heart and soul. The Jeep is a Jeep. The Jeep won the war. The Jeep did everything it's ever done and brought me to my first vehicle ever wanting to buy. I'm like, I want to buy a Jeep. The Bronco is beautiful. I look back, I again think, OJ running in a white Bronco. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful Jeep. But bottom line is, I think they're going to build a fantastic vehicle. I'm going to go look at it. I'm going to be interested. I'm going to want to see first and foremost what that vehicle is. Until it's built up, you know, stock, it's going to run like a JKU, which does better than my YJ off-road. It's going to handle the trails. But when you ask it to go on a Rubicon, is it going to do it out the gate without any support, without any modifications? No, it's not. Oh, and would you, you want know, to? Because you're probably going to bend the hell out of it uh, on there without any of the aftermarket support. Right. Right. You have to have the aftermarket support. And until that company gets online and on board with it, you know, it's going to be a fantastic mall crawler. It's going to be beautiful, lifted, great, fantastic, but it's going to be a mall crawler until the aftermarket truly gets on board and builds that up. And then at in that point, I think it will be competition. Well, 90, 90 95% of the people that drive Jeeps, uh, even in modified, they don't take it off-road. So uh, mall, crawler, mall crawler won't be a bad thing for, for the, the Ford Bronco. Well, and Ford is saying that they're going to release, you know, I mean, when the JKU came out, um, uh, G- Jeep and FCA, you know, they, they said, you know, look at all the accessories that we're going to give you with this. You don't necessarily have to go to the aftermarket. You can retain your, your factory warranty so long as you have these factory options. You can do all of this, you know, quote unquote, aftermarket uh, yeah, modifications, but it's all going to be with OEM parts. Yeah. Now, and that was very, very smart because what that enabled you to do was more or less modify and outfit a brand spanking new stock vehicle to then compete with those kind of vehicles that have been a- equipped with aftermarket support. And and which, you know, I mean, for years and years, decades, aftermarket would beat OEM any day of the week. And, and, and so... Uh, we see now Ford is is talking about having um, more than 150 accessories available for the Bronco on the very first day it oh, goes on sale. Nice. So they're fa- they're trying to they're they're very much trying to follow in the footsteps of the JKU. They saw what Jeep did, they, and they were like, "We want that. We can do that. We need to come up with a vehicle that can do that." And they're they're thinking that the Bronco is going to be able to do that, and they're 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 just mirroring. They're 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 completely plagiarizing Jeep's business model and what they did with the JKU with the Bronco release. And I think that's the only way that that it's going to be able to compete at all in the off-road industry is because they're going to have a lot of factory support. Now, is that going to make a difference? Chip, what do you think? Well, you know, you look at 
look at like GM bringing back the Camaro or Ford bringing back the Mustang. Successful vehicles, but they were appealing to the classic car guys, right? That maybe had had an old car. Guys that were Ford guys, especially anybody that had an old Bronco, I think they're going to be attractive to those. But when I look at it, nothing's going to replace a Jeep. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted a Jeep. And yeah, yeah I, I like a good old Ford Bronco. I've got a 71 GMC four-wheel drive pickup sitting in my driveway, too. It was the first vehicle I wanted to drive on. I respect oh, wow. old metal. I respect, yeah. I respect some of the old muscle cars. But it's not a Jeep. And are some of the all-crawler people going to buy a Bronco? Maybe. Um, you know, is it is it really going to be an off-road performance machine? I, I haven't looked into what the weight of the vehicle is or uh, even the wheelbase. But, you know, last weekend I went wheeling and I was wheeling. I, hooked, I, was, I went by myself with my wife, but just us in our Jeep and got to the trails and hooked up with a guy that, that I never had met before that had a Jeep Liberty that was lifted. And I was actually impressed with what all he could do with that. But the, uh, his buddy that was with him had a full-size Ford Bronco. That Bronco did all right on the trails. So, hmm. you know, he, he couldn't do everything that we did, but he, he was right there trying, although it blew up on the way home. So he, oh. he didn't make it all the way back home. But, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to, it'll capture some of the market possibly, but I still think that, a Jeep's a Jeep, you know, like Travis said, you know, it was in the war. I didn't remember seeing a Ford Bronco in the in World War II or, or really no. <laughs> you know, all the history of Willys and coming all the way through now. I'm a, I've, I've got a couple CJs, but I'm a Jeep guy. And, and I think a lot of the people we hang with, you know, whether they're in the Jeep clubs that I'm in or, or just overall, I mean, are we going to see some Broncos show up on, topless day on the beach somewhere probably um you know we're going to have some guys join us on some rides you know right now you know it used to be the harley guys we i've got a harley too but you know we'd go on a poker run or we'd go on a benefit ride and i'll be there with my v-star custom what's that (laughs) so i'll be there with my v-star custom (laughs) there you go i mean so it it, i think everybody's kind of accepting but it's it's kind of like a Harley ride. If somebody shows up with a with a Goldwing, yeah, you might respect it. But I don't know where it's going to go. We'll but it's see. just Time not the same. Go. Yeah, right. it's just not the same. And I and I think that that's that's the that's the bottom line here is that is that even though Ford is trying to come up with a Wrangler killer, it, it's it's not the same. And it doesn't have the history. It doesn't have the you know the the long time you know following that the Jeep has had for over 75 years yeah i mean you've had you know essentially one model of vehicle for for 75 years um you know there's not too many uh, automakers on the planet that that have bragging rights like that and they have the kind of following that jeep has now certain certainly there there are those ford fanboys out there and, and ford has made some decent vehicles over the over the decades and uh you know certainly vehicles that that garner attention and have have, have their mark in history um, is the Bronco one of them? Well, I think O.J. Simpson has certainly uh, put his mark in, in history with uh, with the Ford Bronco. I, I'm going to have to assume that he's going to eventually own these new ones in white. I I, I hope so, anyways. <laughs> just uh, just for the sake of nostalgia, if nothing else, I I, I don't know. Um, but uh, it's really it's it's this factory support that that has me considering that the Ford, this new Ford Bronco, might be. 
some competition for the Wrangler. You know, as far as uh, you know, market share, I don't know which way it's going to go. That's a lot of accessories right off the bat, uh, appealing to a very, very large um, aftermarket segment. And and uh, you know, will it have traction? I, I don't. I don't know, Greg. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think the. Uh Ford Bronco is all going to depend on the design and how it's going to look right out of the off the showroom floor. I mean, if they do something like they did with the the new Cherokee, then you know this thing is going to be a flop right off the beginning. But I think if they stick with their roots, like, like that they did with the Broncos of the '90s, uh, early '90s, you know, I, they're going to do very well as far as getting those old some of the old uh, faithful Ford guys back into getting a Ford if they if they moved away from Ford after after they discontinued the Bronco. The Bronco was a fantastic vehicle, was, and I, I enjoyed driving one when I was a lot younger. And uh, I think there'd be a lot of people that's going to be interested in coming back to it. But again, to go along with what some of the other gentlemen have said, as far as the capability of it being an off-road vehicle and how is it going to take over the Wrangler, that's you know it's going to be way too early to tell any of that. We, we don't know the wheel span, the wheel hot, the wheel size, the clearance, the tire size is going to come out of stock, what type of drivetrain it's going to have, what type of gearing is going to have IFS versus uh, solid front axles. I mean, a lot of those different things, that some of that stuff may, out, may be out there. I haven't studied it, so I don't know. But a lot of those things are going to determine whether or not the Bronco is going to be successful. And, uh, you know, so I think to have this conversation now is fun. But the real story is going to come out in 10 years from now if they're still building yeah. it. And if it's uh, and, and what type of aftermarket support has, if it uh, gains any momentum uh, to see if it even can compare with the Wrangler. Because right now, it, it's it, we're still comparing apples to oranges here because we've got something that hasn't come off the showroom floor yet versus something that's been proven that tried and true for 75 years. Well, no, you're 100 percent right there. But you know, look at the success that the JKU had with with all of the factory support right from the get go. And I think honestly, if it wasn't for that, the JKU would have had its success come a lot later down the model uh, down the model year range um, than it did. With with so much uh, factory support right off the showroom floor, uh, the JKU was able to compete with virtually anything else out there. And Ford, I think, is going to be following in those footsteps um, with their with their factory support, and I'm worried that that's going to make them very very competitive. Now, I think Tony really hit or somebody hit the the the, the point on the head as far as the price point goes. If they overprice things, uh, I think that might have been Chip uh, or Chris um, said if they overprice things, then this is going to fall flat. And, and Ford has done that; they've got a history of doing that, where they come out with something, hey, look at this awesome thing that we just did. Uh, but hey, you're gonna have to pay a premium for it. And oh, by the way, if you want any modifications or any uh, aftermarket support for it, you're gonna end up paying through the nose. And and I I think that that's the way that it's gonna go. And we're gonna see this in almost elitism uh, type of following with this with this Ford Bronco. But again, um, like like Greg, Greg was saying, in 10 years, that's when the story is really gonna be told as far as what sort of aftermarket support has actually followed them, like the JKU. With the factory support, the aftermarket followed suit quite strongly and, and very quickly, I might, I might add. So wh- whether or not that happens with the Ford Bronco is really going to be the story to tell. Jared, where do you fall in on this? Really, really well. A couple of things that people have mentioned. Um, I believe that the release is on Monday, so we're going to know a lot of 
more info about it, but it's it's based on the Ranger platform that is already out. That Ranger platform has been being used overseas for a long time. And so there's actually like Icon already has suspension for it. When the Bronco comes out, they will have it ready to go um, with, with some of the best suspension that you can get. And so I, I, I actually think it's going to do really well in a couple of segments. You have individuals. I don't think it's going to steal diehard Jeep guys. I think that they're so loyal and we're so loyal to the solid front axle because of what it gives you with your articulation that you're not going to be able to steal those guys. Um, mm -hmm. Where I do think it's going to do really well, I think it'll do exceptionally well in the overlanding community where guys aren't necessarily looking to do super hardcore off-roading, but want to be able to have a really, because IFS is just more comfortable. When you, you, if you go ride in a Raptor or some of those vehicles that have a really fine-tuned IFS up front and you're doing high speeds on uh, out in the desert or on even on forest roads and stuff like that it's really comfortable it's better on the pavement and so a lot of those people were like hey i want something that isn't necessarily going to have as much articulation and off-road performance as a wrangler but it's going to be a little bit more comfortable than the wrangler in some of those settings i think it's going to steal some of those individuals yeah from the if they're all spy shots and things like that but uh, right. basically the from a looks perspective it's insanely similar to the Jeep Wrangler so people are going to um, your it has the tire off of the back um, it has the removable top it, it's 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 going to so the people who want like the convertible standpoint I think they're going to be really interested in it um, and some of the modularity Josh has talked a lot about how um, off-road support uh, I think that they're they're going to have a lot of support from the factory um, it's going to come with the same drivetrain that you can get in the Ranger right now so you're going to be able to get a rear locker in it um, it has mm -hmm. that little it has the two different eco boost motors from what I understand so um, I think that there's going to be a lot of people who are very interested if you're wanting the highest level of off-road capability I, I don't think it's going to be able to compete but like a lot of people have mentioned on a lot of the trails that we're on I see guys taking on really aggressive trails with forerunners and um, other uh, even things like the uh, what's the Mitsubishi that they have the Montero I've seen guys take some pretty oh, yeah. impressive trails and Monteros and some of those other vehicles where I think guys are really gonna push them do I think it's gonna still diehard Jeep fans no but is it gonna come in and make the the best thing to me about it is I'm all about competition in the space. All it's going to do is push the Jeep engineers to say, what can we do to level up? So that's what there makes me most exciting is it's not going to steal me over to become a Bronco fan, but it is going to make the Jeep engineers say, what do we need to do to just step up our level of competition and our level of, you know, uh, just overall capabilities on the platform. No, I think you're 100 percent right there. Uh, I I I don't th I don't see uh, this really pulling anybody from the Jeep camp and and turning them into into Ford fanboys. Um, now, I mean, granted, yeah, removable top, um, you know, uh, large uh, large tires, big ground clearance, spare tire in the back, even removable doors. I mean, really giving you that open air experience that no other vehicle has in the, in history been able to to provide you. Now Ford is stepping into that category. That's kind of dangerous waters right there because, you know, they really haven't had 
anything. I mean, sure, you could take the top off of a Forerunner back in the day. Sure, you could take the top off of a K5 Blazer. And in fact, the new Bronco even looks a little bit like if you took a Mahindra and a K5 Blazer and mated them together, this is the love <laughs> child that would be created. It was a new Ford Bronco. Um, so, and that that's post uh, that's that's post uh, FCA Mahindra lawsuit styling, mind you. Um, so, you know, but yeah, you're, you're right. I, I, I agree with you that I don't see really any Jeep camp, um, you know, switching teams with this one, but you know, they have a lot of stuff that's going to be very attractive to a lot of people. And allegedly the price point is going to be quite a bit below what the Wrangler's, uh, uh, uh starting price point is going to be. Now, uh, from what I understand, that's also going to be for a very stripped down model of the, of this Bronco. Um, and they are also following in Jeep's footsteps with a bunch of trim models as well. So you're probably going to be able to get a $60,000 uh, version as well. Now, I don't know where you fall on this, Jerry. Uh, I don't know if you're a Ford fan or not. Have you even seen the pictures of this thing yet? Where are you, Does this thing uh, even seem attractive to you? Oh, yeah. It looks really nice. And, you know, I've, I've been driving a Ford truck for a long time. But, you know, the, I, I'm going to say that uh, I agree pretty much with uh, er everything that everybody else has already said, so I won't hash through that. But, you know, the manufacturer, Ford, has an enormous amount of money invested in bringing a new vehicle to market. And yeah. and I'm sure that they've got some research that supports the idea that they're going to be selling some of these. And so while, you know, there's probably going to be a measurable sales hit on Jeep for the people that, you know, are like, well, you know, there's Jeeps all over the place. This is a new thing. You know, maybe I'm, maybe I am a Ford fan, uh, and I want that convertible kind of thing. Uh, so, there, I think they're going to sell some. But uh, you know, just to uh, uh, reiterate what everybody else is saying, I, I don't think the diehard Jeep people are going to uh, jump ship, and the ones that do aren't really diehard anyway. You know, Jeep just has that that history that the, the Bronco doesn't really have. I mean, if O.J. Simpson is their only, you know, claim to fame, or, or maybe <laughs> Ted Nugent with his uh, yeah. zebra-painted oh, yeah. one, if you guys remember that. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, I don't really think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to be a big deal. Well, I think it's going to be a big deal for a short period of time. I think it's going to oh, yeah. be, this is the new kid on the block. Hey, look what Ford has done. Hey, the Bronco is back. Uh, you're going to get your five minutes of fame, and that's going to be it. It's going to be a flash in the pan. Uh, they're going to make some sales. Uh, they're going to sell some units. They're going to have some a uh, little bit of uh, factory support, but I, I don't think it's going to get, um, you know, the the market share that Jeep sees and the Jeep has had for so very very long. Now I'm very curious to see if we're going to start seeing uh, these new Broncos pop up in like King of the Hammers. If we're going to start seeing these in some off road races <laughs> or something like that, I am very curious to see if 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 a team is going to pick one of these up and put an ass load of money into one of these things to make it a race vehicle. Now, what I do see happening more um, than anything is even though they are marketing this for the off-road uh, off market, the off-road demographic, I see the street crowd picking this up a lot yeah. more yeah. Uh, because this has the stylings of a street vehicle. Um, and and I, think, I think that's just something that Ford has always had uh, and, and that they, they just, I mean, Jeep just looks more at home off-road, styling for styling there's no other rig that just seems to be more at home off-road than Jeep. And I, even with the Ford, even with all the design and engineering, I don't think they're going to get there. Well, I'm glad that, uh, that everybody had a chance to chime in. Tony, 
Um, where, where, do you do you have anything different to say than any of our listeners in, in regards to any of this? I have some questions. Uh, I don't know. Uh, is this going to be on aluminum? No, you aluminum can't body? have one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know about the aluminum body. Uh, so far, I haven't read anything about aluminum body specifically. I know that they did that for uh, one or two few years with the F-150, and it kind of fell flat. Um, oh, they stopped uh, doing so, it for the for Yeah, the they, they stopped doing it. So oh, I don't good. see that happening. Maybe in like, you know, door skins or something like that. Maybe in a door panel or in a floor pan or, or something like that. But I don't see them doing a whole lot of it like they did with the F-150 for a period of time. Yeah, I really, really do like the competition aspect of it because, you know, Jeep is just way out in front uh, with the crowd, the camaraderie that you have uh, with other Jeepers. I mean, if you got a Jeep, uh, you're instantly friends uh, is the way that works. I don't see that mm-hmm. happening anytime soon with uh, the Ford crowd. I don't I don't think it happens with the Ford oh, trucks, God, no. which, are, which are very <laughs> beloved. I mean, if you're a, a Ford truck fan... You really love them, but I don't see that, you know, the, a Ford truck wave or, or, you know, getting together at Sonic and, you know, uh, all the Ford trucks out there. It, it's just not the same thing. And I don't think you're ever going to see that kind of loyalty uh, in any other vehicle. Uh, I guess they do it with Corvettes, you know, some of the, the cars that that happens with. I don't yeah, see but those it. Have, those have a muscle car history yes. behind them. They, they, well, they've got the Bronco. What was it? 67. I mean, that's the one everybody just loves. It's tiny like a Jeep. Uh, it has that uh, that feel of a Jeep with, with a different styling. And yeah. uh, that was the other question I had. Is this one the same size as the the late 60s Bronco? It's not the size of the full size Bronco, is it? Well, um, I, I like, uh, who was it? Was it uh, Jared or Greg that was saying that it's basically uh, modeled on the same uh, same chassis as um, uh, the, the, the current Ford Ranger? Ford Ranger. Yeah. Um, and as we know, that is a, a, a mid mo- uh, mid-sized um, a pickup, and it was a compact pickup back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was a compact model is now more of a mid-size nowadays, and, and almost... Uh, uh, full size compared to uh, you know yesteryear. Yeah, somebody um, mentioned the K5 Blazer, and that's more of the size. I mean, those were small, smaller vehicles as compared to a full size truck, but still the width and well. Uh, let, let's look you know. at, let's look at the the history really quick of Bronco. They had the Bronco and the Bronco Two. The Bronco Two was a much smaller off road vehicle, and it was actually relatively capable and and had uh you know ha- had a, a solid axles front and rear. And a relatively um, uh, modest aftermarket support. Yeah, um, and there was, well, they were a piece of, uh, yes, they were. <laughs> um, but there was a loyal following for uh, for them, and and in fact, uh, even some Jeep guys uh, will will hunt down the axles out of those things uh, to swap uh, to swap out. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, there there was a bit of a following. There was a little bit of an aftermarket support, and I think that the new one is going to have the same sort of history line. Uh, it's going to be out for a number of years. We might see it around for a decade, uh, but it's just not going to be the money maker, and it's not mm-hmm. going to give them the market share that they're looking for. I don't see this lasting past 2030. Well, I, I think this is the critical thing. Uh, the critical point I was uh, getting to is is that the size of the vehicle, if you're going to take it off-road and you're going to compete with Jeep, you can't take a massive land cruiser out there. No offense to the Toyota people. I'm talking about these land yachts. That, uh, that are well-suited for the road and not off-road. I mean, mud pits, sure, but in the tight trails and the trees and all the rest of that stuff, that's where Jeep excels because of its moderate it's size. It's nimble. Yeah. yeah, it's nimble. So if you're going to take a K5 Blazer out there or a full-size Bronco 
you're going to have a lot more difficulty moving that thing around, and you're just not going to be able to, to go where Jeeps go. So that's going to be critical for this Bronco. I do like the styling. Uh, I think that they're holding more of that styling to the old late 60s Bronco styling. Uh, you can see the similarities there. There are and, some similar lines in there. Really there is a little wish. bit of that retro look. Yeah. To it. yeah. And I really and, and you saw the same thing with Camaro, and you saw the, oh, yeah. the same thing with, what was it, the Charger uh, that uh, Dodge came mm-hmm. out with? It's, yeah. it's not exact, but you can see the lines there. But there's that's a little what bit I was of the tip of the cap to the, to yeah. The, the, yeah, the model of yesteryear. And then, yep. and that I think that's what you and I were hoping for uh, when we were reporting on the, the Cherokee. We were excited about that. And I fully expected them to come out with something that was a little more modern, uh, but have that XJ lines to it. And boy, were we just shafted in the ass yeah. on that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, I can see that uh, I, I agree with pretty much everything everybody said. I think it's going to be a, a short-term winner. There's uh, anti-Jeepers out there that they want anything other than a Jeep. Uh, and if they can take something that's going to piss people off on the trail, <laughs> all the best to them. Uh, I will say this, I personally am looking forward to, uh, you know, not being an XMI Jeep when I say it, but seeing one of these new Broncos, especially with the top off and the doors off, I'm going to tell, look the guy straight in the eye uh, or woman and say, nice Jeep, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't see anybody confusing this uh, for a Jeep. I mean, with the top off and the doors off and stuff like that. Oh, but uh, let's cheese them off. (laughs) Well, no. You know, well, on that point, and now I'm 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 kind of coming up with this idea that okay, well, once these things release, I think I need to go down to my local Ford dealership and do some trolling. I know. <laughs> I just like so. Tell me about this uh, new Bronco that you got here, and and this aftermarket support. You these, these accessories. You know, some what some plastic rock sliders. Is that what you're going to try and sell me now? So yeah, no, I don't know. I, I I might have some fun with a Ford dealership after this thing comes out. Once the uh, <laughs> once the factory support and and over quote unquote 150 options on available day one, we will see what happens. Well, I can't thank my listeners enough. Uh, each and every week, we pick a new topic to talk about. And even though this one was a little bit uh, biased towards Ford, it was related to the uh, to the Jeep world and in sort of how it's going to compete. Uh, ordinarily, we stick to uh, to very strict Jeep topics. Uh, or off-road topics specifically, uh, and we'd love to have you join in on the discussion each and every week. We give you an opportunity to do so, uh, and we announce that through Facebook. Uh, We uh, post up a link to where you guys can join in on the show. We record the show each and every Thursday live. You can join in on that just as Chris, Travis, Chip, Greg, Jared, and Jerry has done this week with us. (laughs) Isn't it, though? We'd sure love to see you on that list next week. Join in on the Campfire Side Chat. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Don't forget, go to jeeptalkshow.com to see the latest in events from around the nation and in your hometown. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to join us on Twitter at Jeep Talk Show to see which celebrity Tony has pissed off this week. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep Podcast. You know, I had the most clever and funny thing that I was going to put in here, but of course I came up with it right as I was falling asleep last night, and so off into the ether it went. Podcasting since 2010.